When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky, and we are sponsored by FanDuel and HelloFresh. That is Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing all right. I've done better. Um, I'm sick. Last week, I think you were really sick. Uh, and I think you, you gave something to me through the through the computer. Through the mic. Boy, oh, Sorry. boy. Yeah, through the mic. It, it transferred... Technology is crazy these days. It's just that's my, that's how it must have happened. Uh, I mean, Evan, I, feel- I, I I was gonna say I feel sick because I didn't get uh, a certain Duncan uh, Dunking. I would actually rather say tracksuit. Um, I had it on my phone, had it in the cot, ready to go. But you know what, Evan, I had a job to do. I was at the Bruins locker room. Certain Brad Marchand was speaking about you know stuff like thousandth game legacy i wasn't gonna be like sorry brad gotta order this tracksuit i gotta i gotta take i think the dunking tracksuit comes before brad marchand's thousandth game i think Listen, that's just me we, we have a job to do so I took pot in that scrum head on a silver back to the phone it's all sold out that's kicking the brutal. balls if you ask me but I'll well they tweeted at you finally i mean you know what's interesting uh so for those who don't know duncan uh, tweeted back at Connor yesterday or, or on Super Bowl Sunday. It was a legendary moment. It's a moment that's been uh, too long in the making, I think. It should have happened a long time ago. And there are some jabronis, jabronis, who get dunk sponsorships. Lots of people who are not deserving. No offense to them, but they're not. Or at least they're not as deserving as you are. And the fact that, y- that uh, you finally got that acknowledgement, I think, is at least a step in the right direction. You would imagine. You you would think so, Evan. Yeah, the fact that, you know, still get shot of the tracksuit. Oh, who knows? Maybe I got to switch to Cafe Nero or some shit. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Cafe we'll see. Nero. <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting. Um, but, yeah. So, we'll that was it. You know, I got to say, uh, I have been under the weather for, like, a day now. Part of it was Super Bowl. I sat. I got home. There were people in my house to watch the game. I'm just like, can you all just get out? Um, but nevertheless, uh, they were there. But that that the Duncan thing with you and them that that kept me going. That was like my north star. It gave me the energy I needed. I'm happy um, to help, Evan. So I, I was happy that uh, that happened. Um, I'll actually not be at the Bean Pot. Um, I know this will come out after the bean pot. I will not be there. Uh, you will be there. Are you? Uh, it's a big championship game. Pretty big. Pretty big. BU's got to show up. Unlike me, they got to show up. So uh, it is see. a big game, Evan. Again, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I know. I think last week we it was me declaring outright that BU was going to beat BC. I think we all knew that was going to happen. You know that BC team. Oh kind yeah. Of, 
you know, a little bit of a, a pretty beat up. No, that's a very good BC team. I'll, I'll give them some credit. But uh, regardless, I don't put down any uh, expectations, any sweeping declarations over a Beanpot Championship. I have uh, run into many uh, miscues in my life by making very declarative statements about hockey championship games on the TD Garden ice. Be that, uh, make of that what you will in terms of what uh, level yes. competition. I, I think you and I have about. had similar. I think you and I have had similar predictions about similar games. Uh, yes. when it comes to the brands, uh, at least. But yeah, and also a certain uh, collegiate hockey program. Arguably, one would say the best collegiate hockey program in the United States in the world. Um, but they've also had a few rough uh, title games on the TD Garden ice. So I won't say anything. Northeastern, yes, they've uh, started off kind of slow. Getting hot at the right time, though. Beat BU uh, just a few weeks ago. So should be a tough game. And if the if the Terriers happen to win, next time we record, I will be very humble, very gracious. Won't have any scarlet on me at all. Should be happy to talk about a good game of hockey. That's how it should be. I agree yeah. with you. I agree with you. Um, yeah, I will not be there, but uh, good luck to both teams. I don't have a team in the race, so it doesn't really matter. Um, Bruins. That's what we are. We're a Bruins podcast. They played on Saturday, and ooh boy. Talk about being sick. A stinker. A bat. Oh, what a waste of time that was. 3 nothing loss to Washington on home ice. I haven't. I mean, I, now it's two of three. That the Bruins have had that have been pretty bad. Obviously, the Calgary one, then they have Vancouver win in the middle, then back to the Calgary ways against Washington. But I haven't remembered a game like that on Saturday where it was just nothing. Just nothing. Like, just not even a little spark of something. Um, I, I just, just. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you look at it right. I probably would rather talk about the Duncan tracksuits again, if you want me to be honest, Evan. I'd rather talk more about that. Than I would actually. also rather – I would but, way rather talk about but that. But alas, uh, alas. Uh, I think when you look at the fact that what were we talking about last week, that that game on Tuesday against uh, Calgary was probably like one of the low points in terms of a, a game at the Garden this year especially. Not a lot going on. Crowd didn't get into it. Not a lot to cheer for. Like, all right, that's probably the low point, right? For at least a game on uh, over at the Garden. Uh, that game on Saturday, I felt very bad for anyone who went to that game. There was probably a lot of people who went there. I always feel bad, especially people who like either it's like a a big like birthday or something like that, or if it's someone yes. who like it's their first like hockey game. If that's your first hockey game, like you may not ever fucking come back, which is like <laughs> I wouldn't really blame you. It's really unfortunate because my God, it's a great, it is a fantastic game, but man, that game, it was just like, and on Monday when we spoke to Jim Montgomery about it, of like, all right, looking at the tape again, like anything else you notice, he's like, we were just like slow. Like we just didn't do anything, which is like accurate. And it's one of those things where you look at, they were like skating molasses, right? Like they were beat to every loose, like beat to every loose puck. Like they weren't. Uh, you know, letting pucks get by them, ruining whatever limited chances they had of ozone time. I feel like you could count like on your fingers how much, how many seconds that, that team had of ozone time against like Lindgren in, in that game. Like there was nothing happening at all. You had like little spurts there where you thought maybe they could get back into it with the you know power play chances. They had three power play chances in the third period. Had all the makings of like, all right, this team's been outshot. What? 23 to eight after the first 40 minutes 
they're still going to find a way to, you know, at least get a point out of this game. You flush it and you, you go from there. Just kept on getting worse. Um, just a lot of no shows all across the board, right? Like other than maybe Jeremy Swayman, who kept, you know, them in the game early on, up and down through the lineup, no lineup uh, switcheroo or anything like that, I think would have would have sparked this team. It was just flat all around. Like that was just, that was brutal. And they got booed off the ice and it was probably pretty, it was, it was warranted because my God, there was nothing to write home about uh, from that game that was positive in any, uh, any way you want to frame it. I always feel for the fans who go to those kinds of games who like live in, you know, Vermont or New Hampshire or Maine or, you know, somewhere that isn't within an hour of here. And it's like, all right, it's a big thing. You know, we're going to go down. It's a Saturday. We're going to make a day of it. You know, like that's the one game a year we're going to go to. Because Bruins games are fucking expensive. I mean, like I was looking at ticket prices. Ironically enough that the game uh, tonight, Tuesday, against the Lightning is like the cheapest for balcony seats on Ticketmaster for a long time. Like the the ticket prices are exorbitant um, through the rest of the season. And a lot of people are only going to go to a game a year. And when that's the one game you go to, that sucks because that was a garbage, garbage game. Um, and I think there's a bigger takeaway from this than just, oh, it's one game. Um, because I think there's a, a little bit um, – there's a little bit more below the surface, I think. And Kevin Paul DuPont uh, astutely um, pointed this astutely. out. Well, astutely, well yes. Yes. Uh, big, big words today. Uh, but before we do that, uh, a quick word, Connor, a quick word. From our sponsor. Quick break in the show to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Now, back to the conversation. So, uh, your your partner, your uh, your co-worker, Kevin Pont, uh wrote a story on uh, on Saturday about kind of the, what this shows, what that loss showed. And he said, quote, they, or he, Montgomery said, uh, they were physical. They were right on top of us. When we've struggled this year against teams, teams have tended to be physical, play a hard man-on-man everywhere. Winnipeg did it to us. Minnesota did it to us. You know, Calgary did it to us. Uh, and Kevin Paul DuPont goes on to write, uh, Milan Lucic was added over the summer, part of Don Sweeney's uh, $1 million per player, uh, supermarket sweep in free agency. Uh, Lucic was brought on to be that emotional trigger guy, possibly with a side of brute force, if situations merited. Obviously then... Dupes goes into what happened with Lucic. I don't think I need to go back through all that. Um, he said, here's what they know. Okay. They find a that generally can score enough to win, backed by excellent goaltending. Lots of teams don't have that. 
but it's not a team that engenders confidence that it has the strength, will, temerity to push back on clubs that arrive at the rink ready to scrap after pucks as if they're willing to break your leg, to use Montgomery's term, from Saturday's postgame news conference. Uh, playoff hockey at its core is a very nasty business. It's why many of us still love it. It's inherent sweet menace with accompanying the diminishing threat of mayhem is what keeps us from running to the fridge when the puck's in play in April, May, and June. He's right. He's right. That's a lot of words, by the way. That's a hell of a way to say what he just said. Um, I think he's right in the sense that that toughness, that physicality that we've talked about, they don't really have right now. And we've we've discussed this a little bit, but I think games like Saturday where you could kind of use that, especially against a team like Washington that's fighting to get into the playoffs, that's that's got something to prove. I don't know. I think that is... It's becoming more. Uh, it's becoming uh, more prevalent that they should look at this uh, come the deadline. Yeah, because I think it's one of those things too, where it's. Um, I think even like in that story, Dupes mentions you know uh, like guys that you know on defense like uh, Ilya Labushkin, who's again like uh, a third pairing like physical guy, lands a lot of hits. But it's not like you're like, all right, we need toughness. Let's get just like Liam O'Brien, who just beats the shit out of everyone, you know, who will just like, you know, drop yeah. gloves or anything like that. And I, I think what the Bruins need is just more guys that can, you know, set the tone when needed, right? I, I think that's the biggest thing. And it's not just the fact that I think it all has to rely on a guy you pick up at the deadline. Like you can get a guy like Brendan Duhame from Minnesota who feels like he gets, you know, seven or eight, eight hits every single game. And that will help, of course, but also you just see more other guys stepping up. And again, sometimes all it is about delivering just that one hit or just being, you know, aggressive on the forecheck. Like I even look at um, last year in the playoffs where the Bruins had so much trouble against uh, Florida and how aggressive their forecheck was. And yes, you know, the guys like uh, Matthew Kuchuk, you know, the guys on their defense like Radko Gudis or, you know, Lomberg or those guys further down the lineup. But like, I look at, like, Sam Ben in that series. That dude was a fucking wrecking ball. Menace. He came back in. And, like, is that, like, necessarily what, like, Sam Bennett's, like, bread and butter is necessarily known for? I mean, like, maybe maybe he's evolved into that kind of player. I thought he was just, like, a very solid, like, middle six guy. I didn't realize he was what he was going to do in that. But I think when you get to the playoffs, you have to elevate and maybe even augment your game a little bit to, uh, you know, put your team in the best position to win. And I think a guy like Sam Bennett did that. I mean, he was – he comes back and kind of changed a lot of the complexion of that game. Uh, they play Carolina. He absolutely wallops – who is it, Jacob Slavin, where he, like, yeah, sent right. him to another freaking dimension, right? That's like, right. Um, and, again, that doesn't mean, like, all right, we need, like, Charlie Coyle to be, like, bodying, like, a, a, a top four guy or something like that, but – when it's all I think about the buy-in and getting guys ready for the playoffs and what is going to be required. It's not always fun to be, you know, hitting everyone a, a mile a minute, but if it, you know, leads to wearing the other team down, if it leads to miscues with the puck, you know, forced passes, uh, lapses in transition play, it all pays off in the end, right? If it leads to you getting a win, winning around, moving, moving ahead, surviving and advancing, all those things. So, um, I do think it's, yes, it's very obvious whether it's on, on D with a guy like Labushkin or one of the many other third pairing guys, maybe a fourth line stalwart. We've mentioned guys like Duhame, Maroon, all of them as well. But it also has come from within, right? Like, I don't think yeah. one, you know, like, let's say like last year, the Bruins, all they got was a guy like Garnet Hathaway. It helps. But like, if you had like a Garnet Hathaway to this team, it's not 
like that impact isn't making everyone else buying it. Like, oh fuck, we have to jump in and play. <laughs> yeah, the- one guy is not going to change the yeah, identity. It, it, exactly. Like, I think it has to be a lot of buying from other guys, and you know maybe that changes when you get to the playoffs. And again, like you know the stakes are raised, and you realize you do have to change your game around a little bit. But yeah, it can't just fall on whoever you're maybe able to pick up at the deadline, depending on who who even is out there. Because I don't know you, Evan, as is the case every year. These like fourth line guys, third pairing, you know, D zone kind of players, uh, they tend to go for a pretty big premium once you get to this time of the year because a whole lot of teams covet them around this time of year. It's crazy how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I agree with you. I, I, you know, and again, I get that uh, Saturday's game's one game, right? It's an early February game uh, against the Capitals at one o'clock on a Saturday. You know, it's not prime time. I know it was on ABC, but it's, you know, it's one game. I get that. But it has become a little bit of a trend throughout this year and even going back into previous years of them being a little soft. And I think it kind of has to be addressed, uh, especially when it comes time for the postseason where you're playing against one team. I think it's pretty out there that the Bruins' weakness is are, are, are these types of things, which is very yeah. interesting because for so many years, the Bruins were kind of the aggressor. They were the tough team. They were the team that exploited other teams uh, who were a little more skill or speed-based or whatnot. Um, and I also th- I agree with you. I think the Bruins have the personnel to be tougher, to be harder on teams. You know, uh, They have size. That you know, like they, they have that. They have guys like Frederick and uh, you know, Coyle's a big guy and, and Marshan plays with an edge and um McAvoy can certainly do like you have guys. It's just that buy-in. And you know, can you just start that up in the playoffs and go from there? I don't know. You know, I think I, I do think, you know, and that's why I wouldn't mind going out and getting like one or two depth uh, pieces who kind of have that snarl to them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, anyways, before we continue our conversation, Connor, another quick word uh, from our sponsor. So uh, Tuesday, onto bi- better things than uh, than the team's flaws. Uh, one of the team's big positives, Brad Marchand, 1,000 games. Going to hit 1,000 games on Tuesday against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, and, you know... We've talked this year about Marchand's value. You know, you and I, uh, I think it was a recent Poke the Bear, we discussed just how good he's been this year and how he's been underrated and his point production and coming back from double hip surgery. And I want to go bigger picture. When you think of Brad Marchand, what do you think is the moment or some of the moments that you remember with him? Like, what are the memorable Brad Marchand moments? Because I have one. Um, I mean, there's a bunch. But I think yeah. one of the, to me, one of the big ones is that goal against Vancouver, shorthanded in Game Three, where he. Go- I know. I'm yeah. sorry, but I think that I think I think that might be his most memorable moment because that was as just as that completely shifted the momentum of that series. That was iconic. His Selly just dangling through guys. Like, I think that might be his most memorable moment. You can go with like licking Ryan Callahan's face and you can go with like the dirty shit, but I'm saying like, as how good of a player he's been, I feel like that's still even 14, 13 years later. I still think that might be number one. What do you think? Yeah. I I mean, I, what I think is so unique about Brad Marsh and I kind of wrote about this today is that I think when you look at his legacy and, you know, he even talked, on Monday about, you know, the hockey hall of fame, whether he thinks he could, you know, make it there. And he's like, you know, that's a goal of mine. Jim Montgomery said like, he thinks he definitely is a hall of famer. Um, again, maybe we'll 
have that discussion another week or something. We look back at his legacy and maybe where exactly he lands. But when you look at, yeah, like what's his defining moment? This is a guy that you can look, you know, I'm sure in Boston you view him as just an all-time Bruin, obviously, for his contributions. As you said, probably the thing that comes to mind for me is that 2011 shorthanded goal because it's like fighting through all these players, these elite-level talent, you know, in the moment with that crowd going, the skill involved, the will determination. I feel like that kind of encompasses everything you see in what Brad Marchand has provided this team over the years. But you ask the like, people here what the best moment is, they'll bring up stuff like that. You ask people outside of this market, it's like the amount of discourse of what is the prevailing thought. Like, what is the what is the one image? You know, is it him like lifting the cup, celebrating? Is it him with Patrice Bergeron? You know, learning under him as kind of the the second in command for all these years. Is it, um, you know, the stuff you know outside of the rink where he's been so involved in the community? Is it, you know, a, a guy like him who I think if you're you don't follow along very much, you you can view Martian as being like. Eh, whatever, I don't give a fuck what people think about me, but like, you know, if you, I think, listen to him and, you know, the comments he's had about, you know, assessing his own legacy. And he had that conversation with Bruce Cassidy after the Ryan Callahan thing of like, how do you want to be remembered? And I think that's something that does mean a lot to him, right? Um, those things all show that he's a not complicated person, but what that legacy is of just how much it kind of stretches and how different you can, how many different lenses you can view it through. Right. There's a lot of people I'm sure who like, what do they think of? It's like him slew footing Sammy Salo or punching, <laughs> you know, Daniel Sedin or licking Ryan Callahan or, you know, uh, hitting Tristan Jari with a right hook. Like that's, that's right. You know, I mean, listen, <laughs> that's part of it. Like that's part of that. hundred percent. Like, you know, he's the most, what's suspended player in NHL history. Like that, that label, you know, there's people who are still going to, have you know wearing maple leaf jerseys going to be cursing him 30 years down the road right um but i i think it shows why he's such a unique player is that you have that part of it you have the you know him as a superstar him as a captain now but just that evolution along the way of being this player that i don't think anyone even if you were a martian fan in 2011 loving what he was doing if you ask them like all right in 13 years he's going to be wearing the c and he's probably on the cusp of you know getting enshrined into the hall of fame like, Do you what? believe them? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what are you talking about? And again, it just shows you just like how wide, you know, spanning I think that kind of career and that legacy is. And I think there's very few NHLers who, one, can hit that level of recognition, but also be so divisive, but for so many different uh, markets. And so many people, I think, have like validity added to as to why they think that way as well, right? It's like really fascinating to see how it all kind of shapes up in that regard. The word you just used, fascinating. I mean, I think there's a real case that he has one of the most fascinating careers of this era of NHL players yep. in terms of how he entered the league, uh, his reputation, suspensions. I mean, but prior to suspensions, I mean, you think about that series against Vancouver, right? We mentioned the shorthanded goal, but there were the little plays. I mean, punching the Sedins in the face and, you know, uh, table topping. Who was the defenseman from uh, Vancouver that he table topped behind the net in that series that started yeah. a brawl? I forget who it was. It was like either Ballard or one of those guys. Yeah. He was the, he was the perfect medicine to break that Vancouver team that it was a skilled soft Vancouver team that he was the absolute perfect guy to just crumble them up I mean just lived in their heads and he still does 
Um, but I mean, that was kind of his coming out party. And then you have the suspensions along the way and the consistent production. But, you know, uh, not, the, you know, it was just regular fine production. That's great. You know, top six forward in the NHL, which is swell, especially for a guy like him. Uh, but, you know, the suspensions continue. And then he gets to the late 2010s where that those numbers start to just skyrocket. And those suspensions start and, and those dumb plays start to go down. They don't go away completely. He still gets penalized a lot. He still has his occasional brain farts. But, you know, the production goes way up. And you also have, like, you know, people are going to be mad about me bringing this up. But the 2019 Game 7 play where he gets yeah. off the ice on that on the Petrangelo goal. Like, yep. he has a very interesting legacy. And I think it's an overall very good one. Um, I think when the time comes, you know, I'm not a Hall of Fame expert. I haven't fully dived into it. But I do think he has a legitimate case for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I just think it's a fascinating arc. He's had a crazy arc. I mean, if you were to make... Like, if you were to make a Netflix series around a player in the NHL, I think he might be the guy you'd pick because yeah. it's just so up and down. And it's, and, but it continues, it's like it keeps rising, you know? Like, along the way, there'd be, he was like a stock. There were setbacks, but then he'd, the comeback, and then it, boom. And it just, and now it just seems to be rising. Um, but I, 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 I do think, like, if I were to make a Netflix series around one NHL player from this, from this generation, uh, I think it'd be him because I just think he's he's had that kind of career. Mm-hmm. And it, again, we said it last week. It doesn't seem to be stopping anytime soon um, because he lo- he still looks great. He's played great. Uh, and has embraced the leadership role that that he's gotten. And I I I, I you know I commend him for it. So I'm happy to see him hit a thousand games for sure. Uh, do you have another NHL? Uh, when I mentioned the Netflix series thing, it's an interesting discussion. Do you have, are there any other NHL players you'd want to see like as a Netflix series? <sighs> wow, it's a good. I, uh, this is a question we should be like doing during the summer. Like this, I would, wa- <laughs> I'd want to watch like uh, one of those shows, like um, like House Hunters, but it's like them doing like home inspections, but it's just Derek Forbert looking at like really <laughs> shitty elevators and like why he can't fix them. <laughs> that dude, I think, has been plagued by faulty elevator. That's what I. That's what I. I. I would have been more placing people in those certain situations as opposed to like following career. I mean, there's so many different guys who've got wild careers. Like, even like Robin Leonard with like the thing with like. Oh I yeah. like. Well, also, like, didn't he like buy like uh, like a truckload of like snakes or something? Like a re- he tried to have like a reptile collection oh, or something that's like wild. that. Wild. Yeah, like there's all like true. this. You know, I mean, like, but that, there's many players who have very interesting stories like that. So. Uh, you can craft, I think, many different. Maybe Netflix oh should yes, do that. maybe yeah. we should do that instead of uh, covering the the Red Sox this whole year because I don't know how many oh. storylines you're gonna get out of that. But um, that'll be mine though. Home home inspection with Derek Forbert and Darla. So. I think I, that could work. I agree with you. The Martian thing is more like in terms of just the good story. You know, a guy who's you're watching someone evolve and have setbacks, and I think it'd be an interesting one because you know. He's famous for for that. Um, I do wonder if the NHL ever tries to do like a quarterbacks documentary. Isn't Jason Tatum doing something with the NBA? I think so. Yeah, I believe that's be- right. I mean, granted, <laughs> the Bruins have Behind the B, like, which is which is very good. <laughs> which is a great show. I'm not demeaning it. Like I love Behind the B. I think they do a great job with it. Um, but I would wonder if if the NHL, because not every team has a Behind the B. And yeah. behind the bees also done through the Bruins. Yes. Um, I would I would be curious if uh, the NHL is ever open to like a Netflix style documentary behind the scenes, yeah. someone's day in the life, things like that. But mm-hmm. who knows? I think it'd be interesting. Maybe this is like our idea. We're pitching it, you know? 
Mm-hmm. So we're, we're at the beginning. We're at the beginning of that. But all told. Work in progress. Con- yes. All told, though, congrats to Brad Marchand on 1,000 NHL games. Uh, Connor, what can the people look forward to from you at the Globe and Boston.com? Yeah, we're going to have you covered uh, every step of the way this season, whether it's recaps, features, columns, um, all that good stuff. We'll obviously be ramping up some stuff ahead of the uh, trade deadline as well. So you can find all that over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe. Um, If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Brewersby listeners, have a great rest of your week.